Hey, so uh, we were talking last week and we're kind of continuing. We're actually got, uh, Apostle Paul's going to kind of elaborate, but uh, we have uh, a new man. When you were born again, now you've been created as a new creation in Christ. All things old are gone and uh, you're just totally new. In fact, someone was even asking me, um, man, I wish I could even remember who it was. I'd pick you out. Maybe it wasn't even somebody in here, but somebody was asking me about, hey, so let me ask you a question. If, uh, um, if we get cremated, all right? Now, I heard this preacher say that when you get cremated, you know, that, that one day God is going to take our bodies and raise them out of the grave. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. You get cremated, how God, how's God going to pull that off? And I'm sitting there thinking, well, kind of the same way he pulled off if you get torn apart by a shark, which I think would be kind of a cool way to go. But anyways, um, you know, but here's the point. The point is, is that all things are new. You know, when God gives you your new body, he doesn't need to use any of your old junk. Amen. Hey, uh, Steve, what part of your body that you, I could have you stand up and parade and, you know, flex and everything, but what part of that body you have right now would you like God to use for your new eternal body that's going to last forever? Is there any part you'd like? How about your cool hair, bro? Sure. Uh, really? No. And what part of your old body do you want God to use that's going to last forever? None, man. I want a brand new body. Anybody here else want a new body? Yeah, I can't wait, man. And that's the hope. When I get up and I'm aching, man, I'm like, oh, praise God, I'm going to get a new body one day. That's the glorious news. So again, we're created as a new man in Christ, brand new. And so when we come into this world, as we talked about, we're walking down a path away from God. We might even be doing right things and good things and righteous things, but we're not doing it to bring God glory. We're doing it because it benefits us. We, we're nice to somebody because, well, you know what? There, you catch more flies with sugar than you do with vinegar. And you can catch flies with all kinds of stuff, but we're, we're nice to people, you know, because it's going to benefit us. But at some point, if you're born again, God makes you realize that you're selfish and you need to become selfless. You realize you're a sinner and, and that the wages of sin is eternal death. That by your sin nature, you earn a free trip to hell and nobody wants to take that trip. Nobody wants to cash in that card. So at some point, he gives you the desire and ability to turn to him and give your life to him to surrender everything you knew about yourself at that point in time to everything you knew about him, which may have been very little but he just wants total surrender. You don't have to know as much as the next guy. You just got to know what you know, and you surrender all you know about yourself to all you know about him. How many of y'all have discovered new things about yourself since you surrendered to him? Yeah. How many of y'all discovered new things about him since you surrendered? Yeah. But all he's looking for is at that point in time, you surrender all you know about yourself to all you know about him. And now you are walking towards him. And as you walk towards him, you are embracing that new man, the new life. You're embracing, man, the new desires you have and the, and the way he's providing for those new desires. And it's called the abundant life. He doesn't want us just to live life. He wants us to live it abundantly, but we've got to head down this path. But every single one of us has been distracted, haven't we? Every single one of us has turned back to that old life. Every time we have a choice to do it God's way or our way, I like to say my way or Yahweh. Every time we have a choice to do it our way or God's way, and I head back to doing it my old way, I find my old dead self. There's nothing left of my old self in me right now. 
I, 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 have, I have flesh. That's all I've got. But as I start heading back towards my old, that old path again, I start encountering my old self again. And I start being tempted by my old self again. I start having desires again because you are what you eat, man. Y'all know that? You are what you eat. You eat soul food, man. You're going to be spiritual. You eat this garbage from the world, man. This is like McDonald's, you know? It ain't good for you. It's, it, 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 and so you, you become that. And, and, and at that point, when you recognize that as a brand new creation that has been created to live for Christ, but yet now you're living for that old nature, that old self that's dead and that's gone. In fact, last week we compared it to a practice in the Roman government where when you killed somebody, you were, you were a murderer and you were convicted, they would literally tie the dead body face to face to you. Man, Eric with a K, how'd you like that, dude? Man, have a dead body that you killed tied face to face to you, and it doesn't go away until it rots. How long do you think it's going to take to rot, bro? Too long, yeah. And, 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 but that's what we keep going back to, that dead body tied to us face to face. And, 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 and there's part of us that wants that. So what Paul is telling us in Ephesians, after he's used the whole first four chapters to say, here's all your riches in Christ. Here's how wealthy you are in Christ. Now in chapter 4, he starts saying, now you have to walk worthy of the wealth that you have been given. Walk and enjoy what you already have. Quit praying for what you already have and start using it. You've already got it. And, and so in here, as we started last week, he taught us how to get rid of the old man. I heard some of y'all even alluding to it today. When we recognize that we're tied back to the old man, when we recognize that we're acting like the old man. Hey, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all recognize this week that you acted like the old man? Yeah, man, it was horrible. And when you got recognized you were tied to the old man, what did y'all say? Get off me. Yeah. And literally, I had to do that a bunch of times. Get off of me. It wasn't like, excuse me, sir, but you're in my personal space. No, get off me. Because the old man wants nothing more than to infiltrate your life. The old man wants to come in. Hey, there's some benefits here. And it isn't Zane until you're in the hog pen eating hog food and nobody's feeding you. And by the way, if people were to feed that boy in the hog pen, he'd have never gone back home. So when you see somebody in the hog pen, you need to figure out whether they're a Jonah or a Job. You need to ask God what God wants you to do. Everybody needs something. Doesn't Loving somebody isn't giving them what they want. It's giving them what they need. And who's the only one that knows what they need? God. You do what God wants in that. In other words, you ask, did that, hog, that boy in the hog pen, if he all of a sudden he started getting steak and potatoes and egg, all, man, he would have stayed there. But it wasn't until he realized he's eating hog food that he's like, man, I need to go back to my father. So you ask God what to do and all that. But anyways, as we were seeing ourselves tied to the old man, what do we say again? Get off, Get off of me. And so we established that last week. But now as we move further, we're going to actually see some areas of our life. We're going to see some that are very specific so that you can recognize the old man and you can also now embrace the new man. We eradicate, totally get rid of the old man, and we can now embrace the new man. So he shows us some specific examples in our life that every one of us has encountered. And so check this out. When you recognize you're doing like the old man, say, get off me. When you recognize and, and you, know, you turn back to God and you become that new man and you embrace it 
And when you recognize that you are the new man, man, you'd glory in that of what God has done. In fact, we even learned in Ephesians um, that when the angels see you, Chris, and you, Sabrina, man, when he sees any one of us, you, he sees any one of us, the angels see us doing good. They're blown away by how awesome God's grace is. So when, when you, because they know you. How many of y'all know you and there ain't much good in you? Except for God. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, we know what Chris, we've been watching you for, no. And when they see something good happen in your life, the angels are like, oh God, you are awesome. If you can get that person to do that, oh my goodness. Bob, how about you, bro? Man, when, when, when the angels see something good happen out of you, whose fault is that? It's like, oh, look at Bob. He's pretty awesome. No, that's not what they're saying. They're like, we know Bob, right? They're saying, glory to God, if he can get any one of us to do anything good. So man, give the angels something to praise God about because they're better at it than we are right now. One day we'll be as good as them at praising God, but give them something. So he's going to help us figure out who the old man and the new man are. We'll recognize it better after these few things. The old man what? Lies. The old man lies. The new man tells the truth. This is what he's going to say in here. And so again, is it ever right to lie? We say that as our Sunday school answer. But what do you say when your wife says, oh, does this dress make me look fat? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, yeah, you better lie. Now, uh, when the customer says, oh, and you're like, mm, you know, how many of y'all, uh, uh, what is it? I just read something recently that America is number 46. And I think it's out of 46 nations. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 46 are not trusting the media. We, we have the lowest trust of the media of anybody. Why do we not trust the media? They lie. Is it just CNN that lies? Or does Fox lie? Or does everybody lie? <laughs> they all lie, so we don't trust them. We grow up in a world where there's nothing but lies, and we don't even know that we can trust each other. I mean, how many of y'all had somebody tell you something and you're just like, yeah, I don't know, I'm going to wait and see, <laughs> right? I'm going to wait and see what happens because your actions speak much louder than your words do, right? But we grow up in this world. Can you imagine if there was a place? Oh my goodness, Gary, could you imagine if there was a place where we could count on everyone telling us the truth? Heaven. And you know where the earth's representation of heaven is? It's in the church. We're supposed to be telling each other the truth. Why didn't any of y'all tell me I got this green thing stuck in my tooth today, huh? No, <laughs> I'm just saying, because, oh, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I don't want, now we have to teach, we speak the truth in love. And there are appropriate ways to tell the truth. There are appropriate times to tell the truth. And, and, and appropriate company in which to tell the truth. But we've got to be able to tell the truth instead of lies. The world is full of lies. Who is the father of lies? Zane, who's the father? The devil. That's his, his name, Diablo, deceiver. He's the deceiver, the master deceiver. He lies. How did he even get Eve to fall the first time? He lied. They got her to doubt. Did God really say, you know, you know, God doesn't want you to become like them. Little did they know that they weren't equipped to become like God. They weren't qualified to make decisions between right and wrong. God just wanted us to look at something, be stoked and say, yes. But he lies. He's the master liar. So if the father of lies is Satan, what do you think he's going to try to get you to do? And is he going to get you to do little, do, do, do giant billboards of lies and make giant lies? 
No, it's going to start with little lies. And we live in a world where we've, been, we've grown up in that culture where little lies are okay. You're saying, but man, if I really told you that you smelled bad, if I really told you this, if I told you, you, you know, you look this or you did that or what, man, your feelings would be hurt and you'd hate me. But so you know what we do? You see flaws and people start praying for those flaws. You see flaws in yourself, start praying. We pray for each other about those flaws. How many of you are flawless? <laughs> no flawless people? <laughs> yeah. So again, man, there's two ways of looking at correction. And one way, if you're prideful, and you've been there before, if you're prideful, every time somebody corrects you, you take it personal, and you take it as them trying to knock you down. How many of y'all ever been there, and you feel like everybody's trying to knock you down, like, God, will they just leave me alone? But when you see life from God's perspective, and you're full of grace, and you know somebody loves you enough to, to, to correct you, hey, what happens if they correct you and they're wrong? What if they correct you and they're actually wrong? God says, no, no, that's not really you. Doesn't that make you feel good? Like, cool, all right, that's not me. Well, I don't know about y'all, most of the time when they correct me, I got to dig down and it's like, yeah, that is me. And that's what hurts. Don't y'all know how to look at at yourself in the mirror, right? I've said this before, whatever, guys kind of look this way, like, oh yeah, you know, ladies look this way so they don't see the hips, you know? I'm just saying it's like, you know, guys hide their belly, lady. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm exaggerating here, but how many of y'all got a bad picture before, right? You've got a bad picture. Oh my goodness, that's a horrible picture. No, that is you. <laughs> that's what you look like when you're not posing. And you know what happens when a friend who loves you tells you the truth? They're taking an authentic picture of you. It's not a posed picture of you. And so, you know what, if I'm blindfold, if I'm just walking around and I'm just like, dum dum and all of a sudden there's a giant pile of elephant poo, I'm getting ready to walk right into it, Devin. What would I expect you as a friend who loves me to do? Oh, no, I would expect you to open up your camera, do a video, and let me go full blast, and then, oh, let me help you. No, a friend is like, stop, stop, no, you don't want to go there. And then if you go there anyways, they're like, they're there to help pull you out too, even though you stink worse now. But again, we got to look at correct. You can tell a lot about yourself, how you handle correction. The old man lies, the new man tells the truth. Look at this. Paul says, therefore, because we have an old man that he says, push off the old man. What does he say to the old man again? Get off of me. Get off of me. Go. You are not welcome. I don't want any part of you near me. And it's okay to tell the old man that. It's not being unkind. And, and so he says, because you have to get that old man off you, and you don't just stand here in limbo, you now embrace the new man. He says, therefore, he says, here's some things you need to do. Having put away, what's the next word? Falsehood. <laughs> man, Ashley, what do you think false? What, what do you think of when you think of falsehood? <laughs> it's not true. It's falsehood. That's like your neighborhood. No, I'm just saying, falsehood. It's false. It's false. It's false. If you're going to open up your mouth, you, you don't always have to open up your mouth. There, you might ask me a question at some point, and, I'm, and I don't answer. I don't have to answer your question. I don't have to answer anybody's question, but if I open my mouth, what is required in my answer? The truth. 
And how many of y'all have ever told the truth, but it was really a lie? Don't you know how to word things? Isn't that what they do in a court of law all the time or different situations? People, how many of y'all are skilled? You would admit it that you have developed the skill of being able to answer a question where people can know, can, can think two or three different things based on your answer. Oh, you guys are such liars right now. It's like, you know, you know, if you are going to open your mouth, who do you represent? And God is truth. In Him, there's no darkness at all. You represent God. When you open your mouth, what has to come out? The truth. What has to be communicated? The truth. Not that your little words just kind of were like, oh, you can take that how you want. But no, I have to communicate the truth to you. Therefore, having put away, there's the old man. You find yourself in the middle of a falsehood. Whether you think you're being nice or you're not being nice. What happens if you, hey, how many of y'all have ever, your body's ever told you a falsehood? <laughs> oh, you can still do that, Zane, right? And there you go, driving for the basket and you land and you're finding, I can't do that no more. You know, our bodies tell us falsehood. Can you imagine how bad it would be if our body, I mean, isn't that, that called disease? When our bodies are, are not telling us, telling other parts of the body the truth. I mean, I'm in the medical world, you can come up with a lot of the chiropractic whole idea is that God made a, a beautiful head, He's got you got a brain, and it's all communicated through the spine and so on. And if you keep everything in line, everything can function, okay? Medical world is very similar. You got your body's got to communicate. How do you know to do this? Because your brain's able to tell it. Have you ever had a situation where your body wouldn't do what your brain was saying? And how much did you accomplish in that? So let me ask you a question. As the church, who's the head? Christ. And in Christ, he is now, is he a lie ever? Does Christ ever tell white lies to make you feel better, to not hurt your feelings? No, but he is the epitome of telling the truth with love. And we should become more and more like him of being able to tell the truth with love. Even if it hurts our feelings or their feelings, bottom line, what does it say in Proverbs? It says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. You know? And, and, and so again, the head's always telling the body what to do. Now, in our own body, what if your body didn't respond to your brain? Doesn't that happen? And all of a sudden, it's not functioning well. The body has to respond to the truth. And, and it all works together, and it's a magnificent thing. It's messed up if it doesn't. So what happens when we're lying to each other? What happens when we're lying to each other in our own relationships, in our own churches, in our own community? When we're lying to each other, how can the body function well? And how many lies does somebody have to tell you before you don't trust them anymore? Yeah, before you think they're a liar. Now, I heard somebody say one time there's a, a difference between you know lying and making a mistake. So if you ask me what time it was, and I'm like, oh, it's like 11 o'clock. I really thought it was 11 because I can't see. That's a mistake, all right? But if I were to tell you, oh, it's, you know, 9 o'clock because I'm trying to mess you up so you'll be late for an appointment, your life will be messed up, that's a lie. I'm deceiving somebody. So again, he says, having put away all falsehoods in the body of Christ, we should be able to expect the truth. That's what we should be able to expect. And if the truth hurts, man, what do we do with truth that hurts? What should we do with truth that hurts? Fix it. Yeah. 
It's like, well, you stink. Well, you know, it's because I can't smell. People who can't smell, they smell. No, I'm just saying, that's what I found out through my granny back in the day, right? She ruined her nose at Dristan. Y'all remember Dristan? Dude, she thought that was the coolest stuff, dude, in a little bottle. You go, snort up there, and now your nostrils are clear. Well, she couldn't smell anymore. But all of a sudden, she smelled because she didn't know she smelled. (laughs) And so somebody had to tell her she smelled because she didn't know she smelled. And so spiritually, it's the same way. The world has killed our smelling, our olfactory sense, our spiritual olfactory sense with the devil's Dristan. (laughs) I've never thought of that one before, but I'm just saying. And Dristan, they probably don't even make it anymore. So, all right. He said, look at this. Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the what? Which is what the head is saying. When you open your mouth, God, what do you want me to say? God, how do you want me to say it? God, when do you want me to say it? And you get all of that direction from him the same way you would do anything else. And so we speak, uh, it says, each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. That's us in this body of Christ. Look at this. For we are members of one another. We, we're, we're to get, man, in a household. What will it do to a household? What would it do in a marriage? What would it do in a relationship if somebody lies to you? Does that not destroy unity when you're lied to? And when you're lying, I mean, you, get, you might get away, but once it's discovered, it destroys things. And it's the same with the body of Christ. We have to tell the truth. So here's all I'm saying. You figure out how to apply it. Because I know it's in your head. You're like... Yeah, you know, I can't just always tell the truth. I can't just always say, yeah, you know, some way you're going to have to figure out a way to do that. Some way. And I know I'm going to hear it now. (laughs) Some of y'all are going to, here's the truth. I'm like, well, you know, I got to figure out how to respond to that. Again, Proverbs says you can tell a lot about a person by the way they handle correction. Our pride doesn't like to be corrected at all. But we've got to be able to trust each other that we're telling each other the truth. We can encourage each other. And sometimes encouraging each other with the truth is awesome, but it doesn't always, uh, truth doesn't mean it's always a correction. But when it is, we have to realize it's coming from somebody that loves us. And we take it and we ask God what he wants us to do with it. And that's what we do. So he said the first thing, so here's what I'm saying, is when you all of a sudden find yourself getting ready to communicate something, but you know it's not going to be the truth. How many of y'all have been placed in that situation this week? All right, in your, since you've been a believer, <laughs> yeah, you have a choice. If you are tempted to lie, what do you tell the old man? Get off of me. And you go and embrace the new man, which is the truth. And again, it doesn't mean you just blab and blurt out however you feel, whatever you want. That is hard. That's why we don't do it. We need wisdom from God. God, how do I tell the truth? How do I do this in a, in a loving way? How do, I make, how do I accomplish what you want to have accomplished in it? You know what? It's much easier for us to tell a little lie and be on and move. That's why we do it. But he said, no more, man. That's the old man. When you want to tell a lie, that's the old man. He said, now tell the truth. Another one, the old man is quick to get what? Angry. The new man's quick to reconcile. <laughs> and... Uh, so the, the old man, as soon as somebody hurts their feelings, as soon as somebody does something they don't like, you know what? Gets angry. And there's things, or as soon as life dishes us something that we don't want, it gets us angry. But the new man is quick to reconcile, whether that's reconciling back to God, 
reconciling with another person, reconciling with the truth in all of that. Look what he says. He said, be angry. So he says, we're going to get angry, right? All right. But he says, do not sin. You're going to get angry. Anger on its own is not sin. God gets angry, right? Okay. And he gets right angry because he knows everything about everybody in every situation, and he understands it totally, completely. So he has righteous indignation. You and me are very finite and imperfect. We don't understand everything. So we can be angry at the sin. We can be angry at the situation. We can be angry at, at, at what the leadership in Ukraine is doing to the people. But when you start being an armchair politician, thinking we got to support Ukraine and everything about it, you better go dig into their leadership. I, and I'm not getting political. I'm just saying that's what we jump in full steam. We can be angry about what's happening to those people. You can also be angry about what's happening to the people in Russia who, who are being led by. You can be angry at what's, being, what's happening to the people in America. You can be angry at all these things here, but you can't sin. And when you start becoming an expert on everything that you don't know anything about, you're now lying, which is the first one. We can be angry. He says, be angry, but don't sin. So if you find yourself angry, okay, how many of y'all been angry? (laughs) All right. Yeah. Anger, right? What do you do? You find yourself angry. You got two choices. One, you can back off. It's like a shaken up soda bottle, man. Y'all remember when people used to drink soda and it wasn't politically incorrect? How many of y'all still drink soda? You would admit you do. All right. Yeah, yeah. Some of y'all that just don't care about your health, you just do it, man. But all of us, you know, I'm just messing with you. It's like, yeah, I must feel like, you know, I'm a, I'm a heathen. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah, soda, man. But back in the day, remember when everybody drank soda? And when I was a youth pastor, I used to take like a, a, a two-liter bottle of like uh, Mountain Dew, because everybody liked Mountain Dew, dude. That's one way to get a bunch of teenagers jacked up, man. Mountain Dew and permanent markers. You can do all kinds of stuff with that. But man, we would shake up. I'd say, who wants this two liter bottle of soda? And they're all like, oh, I do. And, and I'd be like, all right. And I'd come right up to them and then I'd shake it up and say, do you want it now? And what do they think? No, because what happens the minute I open the lid on that soda bottle? dude, it's going to make a mess and it's going to make a mess on everything. But some of them were smart and said, yeah, I'll take it. And they took it and they waited until it settled down and came out. So you're going to get angry, but when's the worst time to open your mouth? Yeah, when you're shaken up. When's the worst time to do anything? When you're shaken up. When's the worst time to react? The worst time, the worst time, the worst time is when you're shaken up. The worst time is when you act off of your impulse and out of your flesh. That's the old man. I'm angry. I have every right. Oh, no, you did. You did not. (laughs) You ever had those? Oh, no, you did not moments with people. It's like, oh, no holds barred. Now you did this. Oh, no holds barred. I can do whatever and excuse it. And all the world will excuse me for doing it. Except maybe that judge. But I'm just saying. Everybody excuse you except for who? God. And your brothers and sisters don't need it. And then you have to pay the consequences. So if you can remember that soda bottle, and if you have an anger problem, I don't have an anger problem. (laughs) If you have an anger problem, you know that's one of your things. Dude, I'm going to tell you, go over to Cumberland Farms, buy you a little bottle of Mountain Dew, tie a rope, a string around it, wear it on your neck. People are like, seriously? I ain't the sharpest marble in the box, man. I need, I need illustrations to remind me. If I got that soda on my neck, all of a sudden I'm getting all shaken up. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I ain't going to do that. 
And then once you get the hang of it, then maybe you can get you a little mini one and put it in your pocket or something. I'm just saying, but you need to be reminded because that anger blowing up like that, is that the old man or the new man? The old man. But yet our world does it, so we justify it. It's okay over that. It's okay over that. It's okay over that. No. Be angry, he says. You can get angry. There's plenty of things to be angry about. But he says, don't sin. Somehow, when you recognize you're angry, you've got to see that's the old man. And what do we say to the old man? Get off of me! And we have to embrace the new man. And embracing the new man is embracing God and saying, God, please, I'm angry right now. What do I do right now, God? How do I? And many times God has you chill. Anger is part of a healing process in a lot of ways. There's things to be angry about. You know, yesterday was the 42nd anniversary of my mom's death. She died when I was a senior in high school. And I'm not looking for sympathy or whatever in this, but I just want you to kind of understand, you know, in, in this that, man, I was a senior in high school and my mom went in for some minor lung surgery. You know, she had quit smoking 11 years prior, had a little growth. They took it off. She's getting ready to get out of the hospital. And all of a sudden they're like, you know, a couple days later, I'm thinking she's getting out, and I walk into her room, and I ask the nurse, where's she at? I'm in my baseball uniform, senior high school. Where's my mom? Did she go home? And they're like, no, she's in ICU. A nurse messed up and flooded her lungs. And she went into ICU from October until March 19th. And on the night of March 19th, which is the day before my dad's birthday, on March 20th, which I guess would be the anniversary of today, we had to make the decision to pull the plug. I wasn't a believer. Man, that's why I stayed high and drunk the whole time because I didn't want to deal with reality. I had no way of dealing with this on my own. I, I, was, I was angry. I fought. I fought and I got my tail whooped so many times, but I don't even care because getting my tail whooped was taking pain away from how angry I was. And it wasn't until I was a believer that God could literally heal me. But I know, even when my dad died in 2006, Oh, I'm a pastor now. I got all this handled. People are like, oh man, we feel for you. We're praying. I'm good. I deal with death all the time and everything. And, 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 and I'm, I'm there and all of a sudden I'm angry. Dude, I'm angry about Fort Pierce dumping water out of Taylor Creek. I'm angry about, you know, nobody having jobs. I'm angry about the economy tank. I'm angry about all these things. And it wasn't that at all. In fact, my daughter, Emily, she's always the voice of reason that she must not be afraid of me or something, but... <laughs> She must not be afraid of my anger or whatever, because she's the one who always comes through and is like, one day, I'll never forget sitting right there at the dinner table. I was blah, 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 blah about something. Anybody, anybody live with somebody like that? Don't raise your hand. But <laughs> I'm like, rah, and all of a sudden she said, Dad, you've been angry ever since Grandpa died. Oh, like a, like a dart to a balloon. It just, but I needed to hear that. I needed her to tell me the truth. Because I was blaming on all these circumstances, and in reality, I'd pent up all that anger, and I needed it gone. Now, you can read books, and there's thousands of steps to grief, but they all narrow down to four. The first is denial. Man, I can't believe this happened. This is crazy. This, nope, this didn't happen. Then you go into denial, trying to figure out what, uh, not denial, but you, you know, get denial at first. Then you got bargaining after denial. This doesn't happen. Next is bargaining where it's like, man, what could I have done? What can I do to make this, this reality not be a reality? And what could I have done to fix it? What can I do to fix it now? And when you realize there's nothing you can do to change it, what's the next step? You're angry because you have now realized something that you didn't like actually happening. It's not just the death of a person. 
It can be a death of a business. It can be the death of a dog. It can be the death of a relationship. And when you've got all this, sometimes I meet with people and they're like, I am just angry. And I'm like, tell me about your life. What's going on? Well, my dog died and my business went over and my wife left me. And I'm like, there's the death of everything. It doesn't excuse how you act, but now you know why the anger's there. And now we can turn to God to try to get through those steps of anger so you can get to acceptance and see what God wanted to do in all of this. Because especially with people, God knows everything about the day they're born and everything about the, way, the, the day they die. There are no surprises in God's economy. And it's the same with your business, the same with the animal, it's the same with your relationships, the same with everything. And, and so again, you got, as long as you're angry, what's happening, dude? You're making a mess of what? Everything. And you don't even realize it. You're like, and then people are like, what's wrong? You're like, nothing's wrong with me. You know, everybody's seen. How many of y'all have seen angry people who didn't know they're angry? Yeah, dude, they got a bowling ball in their head going, bam, bam, bam. And, and you're like trying to help them. I don't need help. I'm okay. But that's why we need God. So he says, be angry. We can get angry over things. There's things that make us angry, but he says, do not sin. Don't sin. When you realize you're sinning, realize that's the old man. And dude, punch him. Get out of there. Get away from me. Take all that anger out on the old man. I'm just saying. Get rid of the old man and embrace the new man and say, God, I don't want to be angry anymore. Because the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, gentleness, meekness, which is power under control, self-control, right? Which is spirit control. It's total opposite. So you can get angry, but when you realize you're angry, realize it's the old man. And many times we're angry because it didn't work out the way we wanted it to work out. But is God surprised by any of it? No, and it's all for our good and for His glory. He's got to fix our brain to be able to see it that way. And all of a sudden, when you realize this is all part of God's plan to make you more like Him, and it's bringing Him glory, you're grateful. And when you're grateful, everything's what? Everything's great. It doesn't happen instantly. It's a process. Be angry, but do not sin. Don't, and, and look, so, so how long can we be angry? Wouldn't it be cool if God put a time limit on it? <laughs> if God said, okay, here's, I'll let you be angry, but here's how long I want you to be angry. And you can't be angry any longer than this because it's not going to be healthy for you to be angry longer than this. And that doesn't mean put it down and not be angry. And then tomorrow you get up again, that you spend the first third of every day angry. That doesn't count. He's like, no, I'm going to give you a time limit on this. So everybody read me the time limit. Do not. So when does he want us to deal with the anger? When I'm done dealing with the anger. No, he wants us dealing with it right now. And he wants to heal us. Now, don't let the sun go down on your anger without you coming to him. Now, it doesn't mean that by the time the sun goes down, you're not going to be angry anymore. But do not just live in anger and let the sun go down. When do we take care of anger? When do we take care of it? The moment we what? Recognize it in our lives. It's the old man. But I like this old man. I want to be angry. Eh, man, you ever want to just, Bob, you ever want to just be angry? 
Gene, does he ever just want to be angry? How about Gene? Oh my goodness. No, don't even answer that. That's your wife. All right. Yeah, leave me alone. I'm kind of digging being angry with the old man. We're tied. But he stinks. <laughs> I'm used to the smell. He's tied to me face to face. I'm okay with it. And your wife's over there going, well, I am not. It's smelling up the whole house. Your anger's, because when you're angry, what does it mess up? Everything. As soon as you recognize you're tied to the old man, you have to push that old man off and say, get off of me and embrace God and say, God, I'm angry. Yes. Is God ticked when you're angry? No. As long as you're coming to him, he wants to be part of the process to get rid of the anger. You just hang on and say, God, I'm angry. God, I'm angry. God, help me through this. You start reading scripture, letting him guide you and direct you, praying with people. And God will take you through the process. The anger may not leave immediately, but it's going to leave. He doesn't want you staying there lingering and it tied face to face with it. So you find yourself lying. You say, that's the old man. Get off of me. You find yourself being angry. Get off of me. And you move the other way. So as be angry, don't sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And look what he, because look what he says. If you let the sun go down on your anger, you know what that means? You just prolong the anger and excuse it. And well, yeah, I know people have been angry for a long time and I'm not as bad as them or, you know, we can justify it. Well, if you had happened to you, what I had happened to me, you'd be angry right now. Anybody felt that way? Yeah. Well, I'll give you a hint in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, Paul said, there's no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. Your situation is the same as everyone else's, only different. <laughs> he said the same to It's lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. He said there's only three ways to be tempted. And guess what? You've been tempted. All right? He said, but God is faithful. In other words, there's, God has helped people who wanted help, and God has let people fail who want to fail. Adam and Eve, they got tempted to blow off God's word, and they blew off God's word, and they failed. Jesus in the wilderness got tempted to blow off God's word and he listened to God's word and fought the devil off and he succeeded. So he says, God's faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but with the temptation, he will make a way to escape. So what that means is you got to go to him and you got to take his escape route. And you're like, but our escape route is I'm buried in this tunnel of anger and he's given me a teaspoon, a grapefruit spoon. You got little things on it, right? And he's, but you know what? He's having me dig my way out of this with this teaspoon. It doesn't matter. His way is the only way out. Go try to make your own way and it will not work. With the temptation, God will make a way to escape. So your situation is not any different than anybody throughout history. The devil would like us to think it is. So we can say, woe is me. No one's had it bad like me. I can just go live with this old man tied to me. When we recognize that, we say, get off of me. Because when you live with that old man, look what it says. He says, and when you keep that anger, he says, give no opportunity to the devil. When you live with that anger, you are giving the devil opportunity in your relationships, in your, in your life. You're giving him opportunities to create more and more trouble. Does anger make things better? How many of y'all would say anger makes things worse? Yeah, you're giving him more opportunity. He says, so man, don't give the devil opportunity to make anything worse than what it already is. So he said, don't lie. When you get angry, he said, you need to deal with that. That's the old man. The old man steals. The new man shares. Look at this. The old man steals, which is covetousness. 
Do you know covetousness will make you want, make you, or give you the opportunity to commit every, or break every one of the commandments? Covetousness is the last one. Do not covet. You know what coveting is? I want something somebody else has. I want something somebody else has. Well, guess what? Who gave you what you have? Who gave you what you have? God. So can you, are you, if you stood before God right now, Emma, and said, God, judge me with everything you have given me. I have done perfect with everything you've given me. Use it exactly the way you want me to use it. Never misuse any of it. No, not even close. So here it is. We go before, how many of y'all could say, could stand before God and say, everything you've given me, I have just used perfectly for you. Anybody? No, but here we are. We're not even using what he gave us and we're wanting something else. God's like, use what I already gave you, dude. He's like, man, you're not even using this right. You want this? And do you really, really want something God did not want you to have? No, you did. But man, you only need, if you're walking with him, you only want what he gives you. He promises to give us everything we need. And we have everything we need, and we're not even learning how to really use that efficiently but yet we want something he's given somebody else? Why don't we focus on what he wants us to have? That's covetousness. I want something you don't want me to have, God, because I think I need it. The old man steals. That's why he steals, because somebody has something that I want that God didn't give me. The new man takes what he has, and he what does he do with it in the parable of the talent, Zane? Does he bury it in the ground? Because, man, I'm going to be accountable for what I did, so I'm buried in the ground. I don't want to lose anything, right? No, that ain't what he does, Zane. What's he, what, is the, what does the new man do? Dude, he invests it. He uses it for God's glory. Whatever God has given him, he uses it for his glory so that when God wants an account of it, he said, here's what I've done with what you've given me. And when you love God, he caused you to love who? Others. So guess what, man? You're stealing because you want something. That tells you right off the bat who your life is about. When you love God, you're busy dishing things out for others. Look at what he says here in this little section on this one verse. JJ, where'd I go here, man? Did I hit the wrong button? Okay. Let the thief no longer steal. How many of y'all said, man, I'm a thief? Anybody here will say you're a thief? How many of y'all admit you're a thief? Good. Thank you for being honest. Hey, every one of y'all are thieves, man. Who uh, We have time, we have talent, and we have treasure, right? We all have 24 hours in a day. How much do you give God? And again, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty or whatever, but how much do you give God of your time? How much time does God have? Hopefully, we are seeing life from God's perspective. So every moment, we're, we're looking at something, and we're seeing it from God's perspective so we can help others with that. Our life's not compartmentalized. When God saved you, how much of your life did you give him? How much? Yeah, so what makes you think, oh, I'll give God 10%. Hey, you know how much 10% is of 24 hours? Yeah, 2.4 hours. I don't even know what that is, but it's like a couple of hours, right? How many of y'all give God a couple of un- hours undivided? Whew, the pilgrims wouldn't even think y'all were saved, man. They're a bunch of lost heathens playing church. That's what they would say. I mean, but they didn't create the busy schedules that we have and the self-imposed deadlines, right? But the fact is, while you're doing those things that you do in life, man, Gary, when are we supposed to be talking to God and paying attention to God? Every moment when you're reeling in that snook dude out on the beach, man, ah! it's like, 
it, glory to God. I mean, you're thinking, who, who made that snook bite? Yeah, and when you pull it up and it's a little bit oversized, and now you have a choice to lie or throw it back, <laughs> right? Oh, man, I ain't had snook all uh, Yeah, that, uh, the old man, get out of here, and you're crying as you put it back. But God is in every aspect of our life, right? He's not compartmentalized. So we steal time from God, I think. We steal from our employers. Well, they're getting their money's worth out of me, <laughs> right? But man, if you're on the clock, you're on the clock. I'm just saying. And so think about this. Ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, reveal to me where I am a thief. <laughs> Any of y'all ever prayed that way before? All right. I, I don't think, how many of y'all have never prayed before and said, Holy Spirit, reveal to me when I'm a thief? How many of y'all have never prayed that before? Okay, cool. All right, let's practice it real super quick. Everybody say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me where I'm a thief. <laughs> I hate when pastors make you do that, don't you? <laughs> but it's like, but literally, I dare you to pray that prayer tonight. Just let them show you. I've had to be challenged with this message already, and I'm not done, dude, because every finger I point at you, I got three coming back at me. This is, this is my message to me that I'm sharing with you. Man, God, show me where I'm being a thief. I owe you my time. How about my talent? Any talent that I have, all's for him. How about my treasure? Whatever I have. Man, this is my bag of treasure. I got so many things in here. It's like, give this away to Jeff. No. <laughs> give him just one thing out of it. No. It's like, show me which one, God. And it's like, God says, well, hey, how much of this does God own? All of it. So what am I doing? I'm, I, am, I am managing it for him. And so I'm like, all right, God. I do not feel like it would be being a good steward man in your stuff if I just started giving this away. God's like, no, give it away. God, I don't know why he did this. You're going to end up with something out of this bag, Jeff. Maybe my titanium chopsticks. <laughs> Y'all don't even think I have titanium chopsticks in here, do you? Dude, how do you think I ate my salad at Golden Corral, man? <laughs> I got titanium chopsticks right here, man, because I... Eating is important to me. <laughs> and I can eat. I can actually stick something with this and hold it over a fire and then use the other cool one to eat with, man. This, I can survive anywhere from the swamp to a city with what's in this bag, unless God makes me give Jeff something. <laughs> but it all belongs to him. It's his. And if he says to do something with it, but God, you know how long I've had those Chinese chopsticks? You know, those titanium ones? He's like, yeah, so pass it on. Well, they're not even going to use them right. They're going to, whatever. <laughs> He's probably going to like throw them out. I don't care. They're mine. I want you to give them away. So the old man steals. The new man shares. So when you find yourself stealing, you find yourself covetousness, you find about mine, mine. Y'all remember the seagulls in, in, uh, in Nemo? Dude, they all end up in the sale with their beak sticking through going, mine, 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 mine. How many of y'all have seen yourself in that? It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. I need some me time, right? It's all God time, man. Look at what he says here. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor. You know what he says? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to work even harder. That's what this word labor means. How many of y'all moms have ever gone into labor? 
<laughs> That's a stupid question, right? <laughs> it's like, I mean, y'all didn't go into labor. Well, yeah, they knocked me out and cut the baby out. We're good. But no, you know what? Labor's hard work. I, in fact, when a lady goes into labor, they say it's like running a marathon. I don't know, but I will say I've watched all my kids be born and I am not worthy. We, we would have only children if it was up to me to birth them babies. But man, it's labor. That's what he's saying here. He said, man, don't be a thief. Don't be over here coveting, looking, and wanting your own thing. He said, instead, I want you working your tail off when you embrace the new man. Work, work, and do the work that I'm telling you to do. And look what the purpose is. Let him labor doing honest work. Honest work is the work God wants you to do. So it's not like, oh, hey, God wants me to open up a heroin stand. And um, yeah, hey, y'all pray. The praise jar. What does Zane call this thing? What do y'all call this? You call this a praise kettle? The praise kettle. Yeah, man. I, it, it, it's got a bunch of names. It used to be the praise jar that was beautiful until I kicked it over and it broke. And now we got the rusty bucket. I call, the, I call this the joy bucket. And he called it the praise kettle. But anyways, in the praise kettle, I hear it next week. Oh, hey, we're opening up a heroin stand right at the beach, man. And it's going to be awesome. We're going to make so much money. And it, and it just propels itself because the people who buy, they're going to keep buying and we're going to make money, but we're going to give it all to the church. Please pray that our heroin stand is awesome. What do you think about, Julie, what do you think about that? You think God's into that? Oh, everybody's like, woo, yeah, man, can't wait to get all that money for the church. No, no, because God's not into the heroin stand and everything about that. That's not, and I'm not making fun of heroin stand, but it could be any work that you do that is not what God wants you doing. Oh man, we're starting this new business and here, you didn't get permission from God to start it, man. That's a, honest work is the work that God wants you to do. Are you serving God? And if you are you even looking at your job that way, that that's where God wants you. Doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to what? So everything you get, who's it for? If you're a seagull, it's what? Everybody, mine, 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 right? If you're a seagull, that's the old man. But as the new man, who's it for? Yeah. And I am going to come by and get that double man kayak before they close the bridge and all that. Well, actually, it doesn't matter. You're on the other side of the railroad tracks anyways, aren't you? I may need that double kayak to just kind of get to the beach. so. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. It doesn't say what the need is, doesn't say, it doesn't give a stipulation. Bottom line is God has given you things to manage for him. And when you love him, most of what you have is for who? Whoo! How many of y'all are like, shut up? How many of y'all are thinking I'm the old man right now? Get away from me, old man. I've, I've got it down. I give 10 per, I give, I, you know what? We got a deal. Quit, stop talking that way. <laughs> this is what scripture says, man. So when you start sounding like a seagull, man, realize that's the old man. And what do you tell the old man? Get off of me. And man, you start giving who, what God wants you to give to those he wants you to give to. But again, you notice all of these things enhance your relationship with him. How are you going to tell the truth if God doesn't show you how to? You know, how are you going to give it away if God doesn't really show you how to do that? And none of these things work without a relationship with him. The old man, look at this. The old man tears others down and the new man builds others up. So check this out. I'm not going to go elaborate a lot on this. Let's Holy Spirit wants to. 
Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. Here's what corrupt is. Corrupt is the word in the Greek that's talking about spoiled food. <laughs> if, if, have any of you ever gone? I mean, how many of y'all grew up with, uh, and your mom, like all the leftovers were in like those, those butter tubs, you know, those old like spread tubs, you know, the brown crock, crock tubs where you had to open it to figure out what was in it, right? How many of y'all were looking forward to leftovers and you open it up and it's spoiled? What is that worth? What is it worth when you open it up and now it's spoiled? It's worth absolutely nothing. And that's what he's talking about. Don't let any words come out of your mouth that are worthless. And he tells us what worthy are. He says, let no worthless talk, no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is as good for doing what? building up, edifying, putting courage in people, things that are going to help people. So it's good for building up as fits the occasion. Who gets to choose what the occasion is? Yeah, God does. So when you open your mouth on the construction site tomorrow, Zane, what's got to come out? What God gives you. And, and, And you don't know what that person needs, do you? But God does. Have you ever said something to somebody and you're like thinking, "Woo, this is coming out of my mouth, but this ain't out of my head. <laughs> Hopefully it's God Almighty and he's saying things and it's, and it's making sense. That's what he wants to do. Is that not a cool thing when God speaks to you? How many of y'all have ever had God speak through you? Isn't that awesome? That's what he wants us to be a part of. But when you see the old man, you can know you're part of the old man because your, your mouth is tearing things down. It's, it's worthless what you're saying. And don't we see a lot of that today? Isn't that what the world's trying to do to divide us is get us all to tear each other down so then they can conquer us? Because if we are unified in the gospel, there is no conquering us. Let no... Oh, that's how they said my eyes are messing up. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. That's how I said computing talk. I'm like, wow, that's another Greek word. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion. So what do you do? Hey, Gavin, what do you do when you're in a group of people? Chuck, what do you do when you're out in the surf and all of a sudden, what do you do now? You can participate and that's the old man, but if you're going to put on the new man, what do you do? or, Or change, yeah, until God gives you something to say and you change the flavor. Aren't we supposed to be salt in this world and light? Hey, how many of you ever put too much salt on something? And what did it taste like? Salt, right? Yeah, duh. It's like you put it on, it it tastes like salt. That's what we're supposed to do. We change the flavor of the environment where we're at. But you're right, Chuck. We got to be quiet and wait for God to give us the right thing. But it's not to jump in and participate in this corrupting speech. How many of y'all would say in the last couple of years, you got sucked into some conversations and realized it was the old man? It's so easy. Let no... corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as good to building up. And it fits the occasion. God's got to show you that it may give grace to those who hear. So when it's not giving grace, it's not helping people see life from God's perspective. You know, it's the old man. And what do we say to him, Johnny? Yeah, I can read it. Get off me, right? Get off of me. That's what Johnny, what do we say again, man? There you go. Get off of me. All right. And, uh, that it's going to give grace to those who are here. The old man, look at, we're going to end here. The old man treats others like trash. This is a culmination of everything we've already looked at. You're going to see everything that we've already talked about in these last couple of verses. In essence, the old man 
treats others like trash. So when you find that you're treating someone like trash, it's the old man and you need to say, get off of me. The new man treats others like what? Treasure. Hey, are you trash or treasure? Yeah, what, 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 makes, you think you're, what makes you think you're treasure? Your, a treasure is valuable, right? And so who are you valuable to? That guy? I'm just saying. I mean, that's okay, right? But, but literally, what makes you treasure? Who are you of value to? God. And could he have paid any more for you than what he paid for you? You are his treasure. And I can show you that all through scripture. You are God's treasure. You are valuable. Each one of you are treasure. The old, and, and when you're seeing life from God's perspective, you are treating people like they are treasure. They're, you're going to, hey, how long are you going to be? How, how many of y'all have believing uh, Christian friends that you don't really care for? Come on. It's from that church that I left. It's from them other people. It's from that. Right now it's you, pastor, because I'm hungry. My, noise, my stomach's going, boing, 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 boing. y'all ever have that noise? <laughs> Whatever, but I'm just saying, how, those, if they're Christians, how long are you going to be with them? Dude, you better start getting to know them and liking them now because you're going to be with them forever. And, and that's what he wants us to do. The old man treats everybody like trash because you're, it's the old man. The new man treats people like treasure because the, old, the new man realizes he's treasure, realizes eternity is set. He's done. It's eternity is set. We're not competing with each other here. We're only lifting each other up, waiting for the day when we get to go to heaven. Anybody waiting for that day? When I'm perfect, you're perfect, the world's perfect, everything is perfect. We're waiting. And that's what he says. Look at these last two verses. He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. I've heard people preach this so many different ways, but look, when you read the rest of this, don't grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. How many of y'all been sealed for the day of redemption? Yeah. So don't grieve the Holy Spirit by embracing the old man, eradicate the old man. If you know you're sealed for the day of redemption, that your home is in heaven, when you die, you're going to heaven, and everything is by God's design right now to make you more like him and less like the old man, and, and, and everything's going to be... If you know all of this about your future, why would you put everything into this old man and this old system? Why would you live for that? Man, we're only going to be here for such a short period of time compared to the next address. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit, and you grieve Him by forgetting that you are sealed by Him unto redemption forever, by acting in all those other ways. Look what He says, let all bitterness and wrath. I got to say this, man. I know, it's like, I know what time it is, man. If you got to leave, go, but dude, bitterness. You know what happens when we love things, and we love people, and we have things in our life? You know what? They grow in our heart, don't they? Anybody has somebody growing? And then when they die or when something goes away or something doesn't work out, it's like it's, our heart is the soil and it's a root that's planted and it gets ripped out. Anybody ever had something ripped out of your heart? And then there's a hole there. And we have a choice of what we can fill the holes in our heart with. God says, fill them with me and let me fill your heart and let me make, make it right but we fill them with bitterness. That's what the root of bitterness. I don't like this. I'm never going to like it. It shouldn't happen to me. This is horrible. That's not, that's the old man. 
It's a lie. That's a lie. You've got to see it from God's perspective. And, and he said, get angry, but don't sin. Let me deal with that anger and let me fill the holes in your heart with love. So now you can see why God allowed that in your life so you can help others. Let bitterness and wrath, wrath is acting. You know what wrath is? Wrath's that soda bottle exploding. It's, bit, it's bitterness that's been there and been there and been there. Anybody ever held something back for a long time? And I ain't going to say what, but you ever hold something back for a long time? And then all of a sudden, bam, it comes out. It's horrible. <laughs> I don't care what it is. That's what wrath is. And anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And you can look all those words up, but you know what it is when you're angry and you got that old man's running your life. He said, instead, man, be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, not callous-hearted. That's the new man. Forgiving one another, look at this, as God in Christ forgives you. You know why we forgive? Because God forgave us. We don't forgive because we don't think they're going to do it to us again. We don't forgive because, you know, well, they prove that they're going to be okay. We forgive because God forgave us. I'm going to tell you the story and we'll close. And you can go back and you can read it if you want. Matthew 18, verse 21 through 35. God put this on my heart. And that's why I'm going so long trying to get, I got to get this story out because somebody needs us today. Because I needed it last night when I heard it. This is the story where all of a sudden there was this rich landowner, king, whoever. And he decided, I'm going to settle accounts with all the people that owe me money. And he found one dude who just owed him millions upon millions upon millions. It's like, wow, this guy just keeps borrowing and this guy hasn't paid me back. There's no way he can do anything. And I need to settle accounts. You know what I'm going to do with this guy? I'm going to take him, his wife, his kids, all his possessions, and I am going to sell that into slavery because that's what they did back in that day. Slavery wasn't an American thing. Slavery's been going on and it's going on even now in the Middle Eastern countries and in China and all those places where we, all our little good products like Nike are made and so on. But anyways, point is, is he says, you know what? I'm going to take him and sell him into slavery. So the guy, they're getting ready to sell the dude into slavery. His family, he has everything, and they're probably not going to be together. And he's like, Lord, he said, man, have mercy on me. Have mercy. I'll pay you back. The owner knew he couldn't pay him back. But it says that this guy cried out, please have mercy on my family, on me. Please, please, please don't sell me into slavery. And he couldn't pay him back, but it says the owner had mercy. And the owner looked at him and said, yeah, dude, all right, I'm not selling you. I forgive you this debt, this humongous debt you could never even think of paying. I forgive you out of the kindness of my heart, and I'll never expect to even collect all of this that you owe me. Isn't that a good deal? How many of y'all wish the story ended right there? Wouldn't it be a good way for the story to end? Woohoo! But guess what? The dude who just got forgiven all of this. Y'all help me out, man. He goes back home. Oh, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And all of a sudden he sees Emma. Emma owes him a couple of bucks. Well, let's just make it worth it. Emma owes him a couple thousand dollars. And he's just like, Emma, you owe me a couple thousand dollars. Oh yeah, but you were just forgiven all of that. Can't you forgive me? No, heck no. Yeah, I'm gonna get you know timeline. Sign this contract. You're gonna pay me back that couple of thousand dollars. And was like, hey, give me some time. I can pay it back. And he's like, no, I'm not giving you time. No, I want that thousand dollars by the end of the day, and or or I'm throwing you into jail. I'm gonna sell you into slavery. And all of a sudden, Emma couldn't pay it back. And so, what did the dude do with Emma? Sold her into slavery. Put her in jail. Hey, who noticed 
the injustice. This guy who had been forgiven everything holds someone else accountable for almost nothing. Who noticed? Everyone, all the other, it wasn't like the king said, oh, it was all the servants like, hmm, you've been forgiven all of that, but you won't forgive somebody this. We have the same thing in the church. When the, when the world sees that we as the church who claim to be forgiven of everything, past, present, and future, and we're holding other people and not forgiving them for much littler things, what is the church saying? What is the world saying? That's not right. That's not fair. That's injustice. And how many of y'all think it is injustice? But how many of y'all are guilty of it because you haven't forgiven somebody that you need to forgive? Until you receive that forgiveness, you can't give that forgiveness. And that's the point of the story. So those people went to the king and said, man, you know what this guy did? And you know what the king did? He said, man, he brought him in and said, won't you forgive him? He's like, no, they owe me this. They said, but I gave you all of this. And I'm not forgiving them. And then the king took him and threw him in because the illustration to us is that if you can't forgive people, you chances are you may not have really accepted forgiveness yourself from God Almighty. And without accepting that forgiveness, you're not saved. I don't care how many Bible verses you know, how many appointments you've had in churches, including even with pastors, but you can tell a lot about yourself by forgiveness. So here's the story. Here's me. Man, if I'm holding something against someone, which I have been, I've had some different things go on. And it is bitterness in my heart. And when, how many of y'all ever had a root of bitterness? And it doesn't take much to pull it up, does it? Where all of a sudden, now you get bitter because it's there. I got to look back to the story and remember how much I've been forgiven. And when I remember how much I've been forgiven, it's nothing for me to forgive old wretched Emma here. <laughs> I don't teach you like trash anymore. I teach you like a treasure and you're not wretched no more, man. We're, we're on the same boat, just different seats. Amen. So I don't know who needs to hear that. I don't know where you're at, but the bottom line is that we got to forgive. So in this, the old man lies. The new man tells the truth. The old man's quick to get angry. The new man's quick to reconcile. The old man steals. The new man shares. The old man tears others drown, the new man builds others up. The old man treats others like trash, but the new man treats others like what? Yeah. How many of y'all are a treasure to God? Isn't that hard to say? Look in the mirror and just say, I'm a treasure to God because of what he paid for me. And then look at others and realize he paid the same thing. And let's start treating each other like treasure and not trash. But in order to do that, we've got to eradicate the old man and embrace the new man. So when we see the old man, what do we say? Get off of me. And then the new man, we embrace. And we ask God how to do it because it's not natural. But we're not natural anymore. We're supernatural. Let's bow for prayer. Father, thank you for loving us. And Father, thanks for giving us this word. I, <laughs> I really didn't know how much of it or how little of it or whatever. But Father, I was supposed to share. But Father, I, I do feel like every bit of it was something we were supposed to hear today. Something I was supposed to hear. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit would take this word and your Holy Spirit would pierce our hearts. Father, I pray that it would be so easy for us to recognize the old man. Make it so hard for us not to recognize the old man. Because we live in a world full of old men, grumpy old men. 
that are selfish, Father. And, and it just seems so natural and excusable to be like that. But Father, help us to recognize when we are acting like the old man who has been crucified. And help us to eradicate that old man out of our life. And help us to embrace the new man by your grace and by your wisdom and by your counsel. Father, we can only do that as we are born again and as we walk with you. So Father, um, I pray that if there's somebody here that's never given their life to Christ, they don't know for sure that when they die, they're going to heaven. They're not positive about that forgiveness. Father, they're maybe not even positive that they're your child. Um, Father, I pray you'd give them a desire they can't refuse to surrender everything they know about themselves, everything they know about you, and by faith believe that they're your children because they've done that. And you killed the old man so we can embrace the new man. And I pray we easily recognize that old man and with your power and grace and wisdom, embrace that new man. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.